Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 118th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty in the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys today. The day after Carolina's season comes to a close as they fell last night to Kansas 72-69 in the national championship game as the Jayhawks denied Carolina their eighth national championship in program history, they overcame a 16-point deficit at one point in the first half. They trailed by 15 at halftime, but it didn't matter as they outscored Carolina 47-29 in the final 20 minutes of the game to claim their fourth national championship. And Carolina falls now to 2-5 and five against Kansas in the NCAA tournament, and they're now 6-6. Six and six and national title games that they have now uh, played in. Um, and it was it was a very frustrating way to win the game because I think we all felt at halftime that that Carolina was in control of the game and was and was going to win the game. I know my mind definitely went to that. Um, I know yours did as well. We were both in the Smith Center to, to watch the game with a bunch of other rabid Tar Heel fans in what was a great environment. Um, to to hang out and 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 watch the national championship game at, but it just didn't come to fruition in that second half. Kansas came out, they scored the first six points to kind of set the tone, and I think we knew right away early on in that second half that it was going to be a battle for to you know to to take home the national championship. And um, the longer the game went, the deeper Kansas got, the the more fresh they were than Carolina. They wore Carolina down. They got them into foul trouble, and every time they needed to make a play or two, they made the play. And and Carolina, while Carolina's done that for the last two months, I guess you could say the luck finally ran out. Caleb Love, Brady Manick, R.J. Davis could not make a perimeter shot when we needed them to, and and, and, and uh, Armando Baycott sprained another ankle um, and was effectively removed from the game, and, and was really a non-factor in the second half. And and Kansas proved to be to, to, to be the better team. Um, you and I both picked them to win the national championship in the preseason. We both picked them to win the national championship when we got the bracket. That came to fruition, but safe to say it wasn't a it wasn't as fun a feeling to be right about the national champion considering the fact that well they took down our Tar Heels to do just that. 
Yeah, it's uh, I've, I've never been more angry to be right. Um, you know, it, it 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 hurts. There's no doubt about it. It hurts today, and I think the thing that you know people got to understand because I've seen people kind of all over the board on this is is just because it hurts today to some people doesn't mean that it it, it underscores you know w- what this run meant and i know we'll, we'll we'll talk about it more in depth but i i really just wanted to lead off with that because i feel like that was kind of where everybody's mind went to immediately after the game was you were either on one side or another and i don't really think that's what it is i don't think there is anybody that should be saying that this was, you know, this was a disappointing season. This was a disappointing result to the season. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you got to this point, as my voice cracks, is, you know, we had – that should show you right there how amazing the environment was, which, by the way, you know, I don't know if if you if you thought this as well, I don't know if it was just because of how locked in the mindset was back in 2017 for you know us watching the game and everything like that. I don't remember the environment being that crazy back in 2017. Well, last night was electric, and I think you know part of it. I thought the I, I thought the Smith Center did a really really good job of during the commercial breaks. You know they played. Some you know hype music, some music to kind of get everybody jumping around. I thought that you had some of the support staff that were there doing the different chants and everything like that. So I, I thought it was just it was an amazing all around experience. Um, to be honest, I mean I <laughs> kind of wish you could watch other games like that uh, throughout the season. Some of the bigger games that are on the road that would be amazing because it was just that electric. But you know it, I, I thought. It, it, it was just that you're not disappointed with the guys, but I thought that that second half, it was very evident early on. I, I felt like when they had the turnover to start the second half, followed by the alley-oop dunk, you felt immediately like Kansas, Kansas was going to be bringing a fight in that second half. And I, I, I think that – and, and I, you got to give Kansas a heck of a lot of credit. I think they got this team out of what they were doing well in the first half. Mm-hmm. I thought that one of the main things that they did early on in the half was they denied the ball getting into the post. And that completely changed the game. I'm not going to say – I don't panic wouldn't be where I would go with that. I think the Torials were just kind of stymied, and there was just no there there really wasn't anything that that they felt they could do. I thought you know the, the there there was more of a focus from Kansas of staying in front of guys at least early on in that second half. I thought Carolina got to the basket a lot better late in the game, um, but I thought you know there were times Carolina's guards tried to drive by them early on in that 
in, in that uh, second half, and, and it just looked like Kansas had, had caught their second win. They had caught their legs, and you know, once once some of those shots started going down from Remy Martin and, and from Christian Brown, it, Carolina just did not seem to have the response, the shooting that had been there for the entire tournament, and you know that that you thought was going to be there at least when you needed it because it was there when you needed it in that first half just kind of left Carolina and it's just honestly I mean you're not even you're not even really that mad about it because part of you kind of said to yourself at some point you probably did that you felt like it was going to leave yet at some juncture during this run right like as an eight seed and as a team that we had seen you know, be inconsistent at times earlier in the season. You were wondering if you would if you would hit that that slide at some point. Unfortunately, it happened in the national championship game. Um, but at you know, I'll I'll say this, and this was brought up by a lot of people, and there are going to be a lot of memes on on social media. And as hard as it is, and I'm having a lot of trouble doing it myself. You should stay stay off of social media if you can. It's probably better for for your mental health. Um, but this was not a choke job. No. This was a Kansas team that is really, really good. Um, and we knew that from the start of the year. I, I don't think this was Kansas's most talented team overall, but I feel like the amount of pieces that they had and maybe not even the actual depth, but the type of depth that they had. To have a guy as good as Remy Martin that could come off the bench for you, and even Mitch Lightfoot inside, I think that was huge for them. And, and Carolina just, just unfortunately didn't have anything to counter it. No, they didn't. Um, and Kansas entering the game was was the better team. I think Carolina was playing better between the two the two of them, but but Carol but Kansas was was better. They they may not have more talent, but they had more depth, and they they did what they did better than what Carolina did for the majority of the season, and that that really came to fruition in that second half last night. Um, their their ability to get to the rim was going to be the biggest problem for Carolina because when they decided they were going to attack. Carolina couldn't stay in front of them, and they, they didn't have enough bodies to foul them frequently enough to make it matter. And, and Kansas just flat out wore Carolina out in the second half. And I don't, I don't think it was a choke job. I, I you know, a 15 point lead in today's basketball isn't what it was 10 years ago. You can make up 15 points really, really quickly because they did it themselves last night. Um, and, and look, Kansas was a one seed. They were supposed to be in New Orleans. Carolina was an eight seed. They weren't a Cinderella, in my opinion, but they weren't supposed to be in the Final Four, let alone playing for a national championship. So it wasn't a choke job. It was Kansas won the game more in the second half than I felt that Carolina lost it. So let's take a look at the box score, and it's it's a pretty uneven one for Carolina. They shot just 32% from the field, just 23 of 73 Compared to Kansas, who shot 44%, they were 29 of 66. Carolina's three-point shooting went to the wayside in this one. They were just 5 of 23 for 22%. Kansas was 6 of 17 for 35%. Carolina did did make their foul shots, 18 of 22 for 82%. Kansas was 8 of 14 for 57%. Had Carolina won the game, we would have been talking about the rebounding margin. They out-rebounded Kansas 
55 to 35, including 24 to 8 on the offensive glass, but ultimately it didn't matter. Carolina had nine assists on 23 made baskets. Kansas had 11 assists on 29 made baskets, um, but Kansas did outsteal Carolina 6-2. to two. Carolina had six blocks compared to five for Kansas, 13 turnovers for the Tar Heels, nine for the Jayhawks. Uh, Carolina's largest lead of the game was 16, and the largest lead for Kansas was seven when they jumped out to that 7-0 run to start the game. Let's move on now to our quote of the game, and as we've done throughout the NCAA tournament, we go back to the head coach of the Tar Heels, Schubert Davis, who, despite defeats, said he could be nothing but proud of the, the effort his team gave, and, and despite coming a little bit short in last night's title game. I can't be more proud of the group that I just coached this year. I told them that I desperately wanted them to have experiences and stories and testimonies of their own, and along the ride, they added more stories and testimonies and memories for me as a coach. We've now seen Hubert Davis in three national championship settings. 16, rather emotional watching um, his team get beat on a buzzer beater. 17, emotional watching the team redeem the 16 team. But those were as assistant, as, as an assistant head coach last night as a head coach, and he was fiery during the game and was equally emotional after the game. And I think that's that's the solace we have to have as as Carolina fans. You know, going into the Final Four, the question we all had to fight was, was it worth beating Duke to then turn around and lose in the, on Monday night? And I wrestled with that all week long. But I also thought in the back of my head, well, if you beat Duke, you're probably not going to lose the title because then it's just destiny. And I thought Carolina was destined. I thought the way the first half went, when I, I thought it was just proven that. But I also thought in the back of my head that if if this team played – as hard as they could, and left it all on the line, I would live with the result. Because that's all we asked of this team to do after multiple blowout losses and a disappointing home loss to Pittsburgh was to just give it it all, and then and then we'll see where the results take us. And once they gave it our all, it took you to the brink of a national championship. So every Tar Heel fan, look, we're disappointed in the outcome, but we're not – I'm not disappointed in these kids. I'm not disappointed in the, in, in, in the coaching staff because they gave us a ride for the last month and a half that we didn't expect, and it was a lot of fun being a part of that and watching this team grow together and become become a team and, and to watch Hubert Davis shut guys up like myself and, and other doubters and to watch this coaching staff shut guys up like myself and other doubters that, that, that they can coach at this level and get these guys to where they want to get to and, and, and compete for ACC and national championships. So um, it was beautifully said by Hubert Davis in the postgame, and it's been a lot of fun seeing him open up during this tournament run and, and be openly emotional about his team and his players as they took him on this magical ride. Let's move on now to the stat of the game. I went with field goal percentage, and I just thought because Carolina shot just 32%. And it's 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 really hard to win any game when you shoot thirty two percent from the field, let alone when you're playing against a national you know playing for a national championship against a one seed that's as experienced and as battle tested as Kansas. And Kansas shot forty four percent. 
They rebounded after making just three shots over the last ten and a half minutes of the first half. Their offense was much better in that second half. They got to the rim. They got the shots they wanted on the court. Um, and that, and that, and to me, that was the difference in the game. I thought Kansas made shots. Carolina didn't make shots. And well, you got to make shots to score points, and that's why Kansas ended up with a few more points than the Tar Heels. So, with that, guys, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll play you this week's ad from DraftKings, and then when we come back, we'll give you some more thoughts and takeaways on Carolina's defeat in the national championship. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Two titles are up for grabs on the stacked UFC 273 fight card. Join the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. New customers can bet $5 on any fighter and get $100 in free bets, win or lose, guaranteed. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the excitement. Everyone can play for a share of millions in prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy MMA Contest. Draft your lineup of fighters while staying under the salary cap and rack up points for strikes, takedowns, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN. Throw down $5 on UFC 273 and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code TBPN this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. 21 or older restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all these great offers I've been giving you on the four corner side of things. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog side of things as well. My first takeaway from this game was the, the, the struggles that Carolina had in that second half. Um, you led 40-25 to 25 at halftime. You uh, you'd outscored Kansas 25-7 to seven to close the first half, and you had effectively taken control of the game. The game wasn't being played at your pace, but you were dictating what was happening on both ends of the court. You were getting the ball inside. You were getting offensive rebounds and defensively. You were making Kansas settle for contested jump shot after contested jump shot, and that resulted in miss after miss. But that second half, Carolina came out, first possession, turnover. Kansas runs down. They dunk the ball. Carolina comes back, another turnover. Kansas goes down, gets a layup. Then Carolina misses a shot. Kansas goes down, gets another bucket. So in a minute 20, your 15-point lead was down to nine. And I'm anti-timeout guy, but I do think if Hubert Davis could go back and do it all again, he might have called a timeout right there in that situation. But I just thought what Kansas did on both ends of the court in that second half, Carolina didn't have an answer for. And that was kind of the thing all tournament long. Had teams played the way Kansas played Carolina in the second half, really since Baylor on outside of St. Peter's, I don't know if Carolina would have made the title game because they didn't have enough to stay in front of you if you attacked the rim relentlessly like Kansas did in that second half. And defensively, they ramped up the pressure, and Carolina was running their offense 25 feet away from the basket with 10 seconds left to go on the shot clock. And you 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 said it right. They, they took Carolina out of what they wanted to do, and they stymied 
everything for Carolina. It was like Carolina was just stuck in quicksand, and Kansas got their feet underneath them. They saw the ball go into the basket. They got their confidence back in them, and they really just took it to Carolina. Uh, and and I think we knew that was possible. I think we knew Kansas was going to come out. They started the game with the run. They started the second half with the run. The difference was was this second half run was a much more prolonged one than the one that they used to start the game. Yeah, and I mean, look, we, we gave them a lot of credit for surviving that first run of the game. It was, it was 7 nothing. They come back, they hit a three, and that kind of got them rolling. And you were, you, you were waiting for that to happen in that second half. And it never came. And, and part of that is I think, look, I, I, I thought Kansas did a really good job. And, again, you've got to give them so much credit. And, look, I've never really been a big – Bill Self guy in terms of thinking that he's really one of the best, the, the greatest coaches in, you know, modern day college basketball. I frankly thought he's overrated. I mean, this is his second title. Um, I think this probably justifies him. But before that, he, you know, there, there wasn't a ton of success to go along with the regular season success in the postseason. But this run, he, he did a great job of, of, of making the adjustments when he needed to, and you got to give him credit for that. But I thought one of the things, I, I wonder if because of the way that the game started, when you were down 7 nothing and you hit that three and that's what jump-started you, were they searching for that same three to jump-start things in the second half Mm because it almost felt like that at a point where if you would have gone inside and just drawn a foul, got an easy basket, maybe that stabilizes things. But I I said it, I said it, you know, earlier this morning when I was talking about it with one of my first reactions, um, you know, it's, it, I, I really thought that the turnover to start to half, they even even if they don't have the the, the alley oop on the other end, I thought the turnover really was just kind of a sign of things to come. Yeah. and you know it 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 just wasn't things didn't break the right way for for Carolina. I mean, it, it's it's so hard to really put your finger on what exactly changed it, but I I I, I mean. I will say this. I think that the, the the other element of this game that I think changed, and I, I thought the guy that subbed in for him played exceptional. Um, I, I thought when Leaky Black picked up his fourth foul, I thought that 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 changed the mindset for both teams. Mm-hmm. Carolina at the time was already sort of sinking a little bit, but it felt like once he picked up that fourth foul, you thought we just lost our best defender for a team that's starting to heat up, and 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 Puff came in and played great. There's no there, there's no denying that. I think in terms of the mindset, it hurt more than the actual defensive execution, um, because I thought, frankly, there were just a couple of shots that Kansas made, yeah, down the stretch of the game. And he, again, that's 
that's where I think it's always so tough with these national championship games because I can't remember a championship game where Carolina hasn't really laid it all on the line. There was never a point last night where I questioned the effort, even in that second half. And if you do, and I've seen some people knocking Caleb Love for his effort, frankly, just shut the hell up. That's the most ridiculous thing that I've ever heard in my entire life. And this is coming from a dude that earlier in the season, just about every game, had questions about Caleb Love's effort. That dude turned into a completely different player. And if you think that that dude didn't give it his all after seeing him after the game, then you shouldn't be watching you shouldn't be watching sports because you don't know a damn thing about effort. So, I, I mean, it's just you, you got to give credit where credit's due. Kansas did exactly what they needed to do. For Carolina, they got into a situation that I don't think they had really faced so far. They had had teams that have made runs, but they didn't have a team that could sustain it like this Kansas team. And, you know, things just turned quickly in, the, in, in that second half. And, and, and the second half offense, I think, it's something that we'll, we're going to look back to. But to be honest with you, even the first half offense really wasn't great. The fact that you had 22 second chance points in the first half was really what had you where you were at the time, which is amazing in and of its own right. Yeah. But let's not act like there was ever a point where this team was shooting the ball well in that game last night. No, I, I, I think the first half, their best offense was to – throw it up, and then go let Armando go get the ball and then see what happens. And that worked to the tune, as you said, I think it was 18-2 second-chance points at, at, at halftime for Carolina. And that went away in the second half, which you got to give credit to Kansas that they were able to keep Carolina off the backboard. But um, they really had a you know a an off-shooting night. And I, I don't think it was anything to do with them. I mean, I, I do think in the second half it was dead legs. I, I do think they were they were tired. I don't think it was anything to do with them having to beat Duke on Saturday night to, to to advance to Monday night. I think it was a team that for two months was playing five guys extensively 35, 36 minutes, and at some point that's going to catch up with you. And, that, and that, that's, that's my second takeaway from last night's game. Carolina's lack of depth finally caught up to them. Um, and I think it was something that, you know, we that was our biggest concern all all along once he went to the quote-unquote Iron Five. But he had to go to the Iron Five to get his team into the tournament. Um, and, and, and it look, it paid off because you rode those guys all the way to the national championship game, and you were a play or two away from, from winning a national championship. But you're not going to tell me that Kansas being able to go, you know, deeper into their bench than, than Carolina was didn't play a factor. And because because it did, they were more fresh. They were able to bring guys off off the bench and give their other guys so you know some breathers, and they were, it was just easier to wear Carolina's starters down. And um, you know I I, I I've, I've always said it all along because you know I've been watching college basketball now for 15 years. You can get to a national championship playing five or six guys, but you can't win one. And I'm not saying that as a as a you know a criticism of Hubert Davis. That's just it's it's really freaking hard to do just that. With that in mind, though, what Puff Johnson did in the absence of you know with with Leaky Black on the bench with foul trouble in that second half cannot and and will not go understated. He scored 11 points, was five of nine from the field. He made a big time three in the corner. 
um, that, that kind of made me think that it was still going to be our night. Grabbed six rebounds, drew an important charge, and, you know, that's going to be really big for him individually going into next year that he can sit there and say, hey, on the biggest stage, I came off the bench, played 18 minutes, scored 11 points, and went toe-to-toe with one of the best wings in the country in Ochai Abaji, and that's going to be really big for his confidence. Hopefully, the issue that took him off the court is going to be nothing serious because that was a very scary moment um, where he just – he basically just collapsed on the court, and you saw him on the on the sidelines clenching his chest. And was, it was also reported that he was, you know, throwing up and everything like that. But I really thought had 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 Carolina won the game, and even though they they, they didn't win the game, but he's still a talking point. That would have been like the unsung hero. That would have been the guy that stepped up, that made a play or two, kind of like when Isaiah Hicks made the play against Gonzaga to give Carolina a three point lead back in seventeen. He was making plays that kept Carolina really in the ball game, and giving them a chance to win the ball game, and that's going to be just so huge for his confidence going into next season. Yeah, and I mean, you, you talked about the three. I thought his transition layup as well was was huge um, mm-hmm. for Carolina. He, he had, I mean, an important stretch there offensively where he had a, a couple of big baskets that really kind of kind of kept the hope going and. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's a boost for him. And, I mean, the thing is, is you got to feel like he's shown some signs here. And I, I, he's, he's still got, you know, a, a little bit of a ways to go, I think, offensively in terms of finding his consistency there. But you know what? I mean, the dude's played half a season, really. So I, I think that that's going to come with time, and the shooting stroke is definitely there. Um, so, I, I mean, you never question – his rebounding ability. Um, I, I, I think that defensively he, he looks pretty pretty complete as well. So I, I think overall, you know, there's there's a lot to like about him. Um, but you're right. I, I think that there needs to be a focus on developing more depth. I think just looking at the roster and what it projects to potentially be next season in terms of the guys that have eligibility probably make you feel pretty confident that there will be more depth, frankly, just due to the fact that they are adding three more guys in this recruiting class. So you're adding just more. And let's be honest, how many of these guys are we honestly saying in our mind outside of Brady Manick? do we believe are 100% gone? I, I don't I don't know if there is a guy right now. So I feel like that's one of those issues that and, and you can if you still don't feel confident in the guys that are there, you can still go into the transfer portal. I think that's one that Carolina will get corrected. But again, I said it earlier. I think the type of depth that you had for Kansas, was really the difference in the game. They were overall more impactful. And, and I mean, that second half, Puff made an impact on the offensive end. But you can't deny what Remy Martin did. He hit a ton, he, he hit a couple of big shots down the stretch there. Mm-hmm. He had a tremendous second half. Coming off the bench behind Harris was, was, was huge for them. And he's been doing that. Um, since he came back from injury. That was one of the things that they were really missing in the regular season. It was one of the differences for that team in the postseason. And then Mitch Lightfoot 
on the inside. Carolina's had pretty much one guy all season, and to be honest with you, it's kind of alternated back and forth throughout the year since you lost Dawson Garcia and Anthony Harris. So I think that was the big difference in this game was the type of depth. I think even if, let's say, Remy Martin wasn't on that roster, I think if that was the case, Carolina would have probably matched that team depth-wise and it probably would have made a, a, a big difference in that game. Carolina probably wins. But, you know, it's it's just the way the roster was built, and you're right. There There is nobody that came in. I mean, you're not going to go into that game last night in the national final and say, well, Kansas plays seven, so that means we got to play seven or eight and try to force the issue. They threw some other guys out there. Uh, Justin McCoy came in. I don't know. We we never did see John Tres Styles, did we? Nope. Um, no, we just saw it. So so they played seven, but you know, it just it, it wasn't it wasn't the same uh, effect that you had coming off the bench, and 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 that's you know that's something that you live with. Uh, you, you can't. Can't shoot ten for forty with your your guards and and hope to win the game. It's it's just it's it's not going to work out most times for you, um, and that that unfortunately was was the case in this game last night. Really, the one last takeaway to take away from from last night's loss was that uh, Kansas was able to get points off of turnovers and get points in transition in that second half that. They got their offense flowing, and Carolina wasn't able to generate any of those on their end. I I do feel like, and that's been an issue for this team all year long. They never, you know, they never forced turnovers, and they never really lived out in the open court. And and last night, for a team that was struggling to see the ball go in the basket, had they been able to to get out in the open court and get a layup or two, or get a you know a clean look from three. Maybe this thing goes the other way, but I thought Kansas's pressure on the ball in that second half, picking up three quarters court, it just it really took Carolina what they wanted to do. They were forcing turnovers, and then once they forced turnovers, they were out and running. And all of a sudden, you know, they were getting to the rack where those Wilson, Abaji, Brown getting to, right right to the rack, drawing fouls, going to the foul line, making making baskets, and it was just kind of like an avalanche that Carolina wasn't able to stop. And um, there's really no way you can stop that other than to 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 protect the basketball. And and I've I've said this all tournament long. Since Baylor, I'd never understood why every team didn't press Carolina because they they showed you in the, in the last ten minutes against Baylor, they couldn't handle the press, and and that was a move that Bill Self went to early in the game, um, and it and it, it proved to be the right decision because Carolina, as much growth as Caleb Love and R.J. Davis made during the season, not having Leaky Black on the court for that third ball handler for most of the second half, it proved vital, and Kansas just made turnover after turnover and got layup after layup, and that was a big reason why they were able to complete the comeback. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it, it was just, that, and that was one of the dangers that you, you were taught. We didn't talk about it probably as much as we should have because, frankly, it, it's it's really hard to go into any game and say Carolina shouldn't want to run with the team because even this team, which we said earlier in the year, and I brought up multiple times early in the year when you know they were having trouble with the turnovers, I think this team needs to play slower. As the year went along, this team started picking up the pace, and, and that was what led to – 
a, a lot of their success. And I think even at times last night it did. Um, but it, it, it was the strategic running throughout the year. With Kansas last night, yeah, you had the turnovers. You had the one-and-done misses that just, you know, turned into fast breaks. And when, when Kansas got out on the fast break early in that second half, Carolina just had no answer for them. Um, and, you know, look, I, I thought there were a couple. There was one that was a fast break, which I thought, you know, Armando goes up to contest the shot. I thought it was a pathetic foul call. Um, but, you know, it, it, it is what it is. That wasn't the reason Carolina lost the game. Um, but I think that was one of the dangers. This, this Kansas team liked to get up and down. They had, I believe, if I remember hearing the stat right, they, according to statistics, they had the fastest pace of any team in college basketball this season. So that, that was one of the things that Carolina had to avoid. They had to avoid the turnovers. Um, we didn't, I mean, I guess it, I don't even remember if they did play the entire halftime audio inside of the Smith Center, but they were apparently talking about that at halftime. Um, you know, the, the guys at, at the TBS desk and, uh, I, I, you know, that, that was one of the things that Carolina, you know, they turned the ball over a few times in that first half that had you a little bit nervous, but, you know, for the most part, Kansas wasn't hitting on those shots and they were, they were talking about how that they, if those shots start falling, Carolina could be in trouble. And that's what ended up happening. Um, I think, you know, that's an, that, that's an interesting point on Leakey coming out of the game as, as that, you know, third ball handler. Um, and again, I, I think it's an, another thing where you look at it and you say, well, I mean, Puff Johnson wasn't the reason why. He, he didn't turn the ball over, but it just felt like the, the entire flow of the team, for some reason, the mindset of the team just changed when he went out of the game. And I, I think that led, I mean, you had, you know, four turnovers from Caleb Love, three from R.J. Davis. I mean, you had all but one of your starters had double-digit turnovers. So, you know, that was one of the things that you had to avoid. And unfortunately, when you did turn it over, Kansas capitalized on those turnovers. And it's, again, one of those things that you're going to look back on and just wonder – you know, if, if Carolina takes care of the ball just a little bit better in that early on in that second half, how much does that change the momentum with how big that lead was? One thing we do got to discuss before we get out of this edition of the of the podcast is, you know, now that the season's over, now there's the finality of it, and, and that's the thing that sucks about the NCAA tournament. Whether you lose in the first round, second round, Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight, Final Four, or even the national championship, and. Um, this team got all the way to the final Monday night, which didn't seem likely, you know, at the beginning of February. I didn't think it was likely at the beginning of the NCAA tournament. I had this team going out in the second round. And so we've seen, you know, just a lot of different conversations, you know, from Tar Heel fans and just media around is, you know, what what does losing the national championship game mean for Carolina when they led the game by 16 and it felt like they were in control of the game? And you know, does it lessen? Does it lessen what they've done over the last the last two months? And and for me, I think that's a, that, that answer is no. This team, as of February sixteenth, was not an NCAA tournament team. They if if the if the tournament field would have been seated that day, they would not have been dancing. And they they go on a tear the rest of the way after they lose to to Pittsburgh. They win at Indoor Stadium to ruin Coach K's final home game. They do what they got to do in the ACC tournament to solidify and validate that win. 
and then you get your draw. You saw you got to go through a one seed in Baylor in their backyard. You take them down. And over time, despite blowing a 25-point lead after losing Brady Manick to ejection and Caleb Love to foul trouble, and then you go the next weekend in Philadelphia and you take down a really good UCLA team, you knock off a Cinderella St. Peter's to advance to the Final Four, well, then you got to take down your arch rival again. And then you go toe-to-toe with one of the best teams in college basketball since the season started. I don't see how, as disappointing as the result is, and that's what the, you should be disappointed in the, in, the, in the outcome, but but not in not in this team. This team, in a lot of ways, overachieved. They did a lot of things that we didn't expect them to do, even when the season started. And you and I both thought they could have they could have made the Final Four. I think I predicted them to make the Final Four, but we all were sitting there in in, in, in December thinking this team's got a lot of issues, and those issues carried into February. And now you're sitting here thinking that you had a first-year head coach who had a lot of doubts. You had a coaching staff that had a lot of doubts. You had a lot of a lot of players on your roster. You had a lot of doubts. They answered all of those questions in so many ways. And I don't I don't understand how if you're a Tar Heel fan, look, I understand being upset and sad at the result. The future for Carolina basketball is bright. You should feel. You should feel confident that Hubert Davis is your head coach moving forward because I think he proved over the last two months he was the right guy for the job once Roy Williams stepped down and and, and went into retirement, and he's going to do whatever it takes to make sure this team, this program, is playing on college basketball's biggest stage more often than not. And and look, I think most Toriel fans are are taking that mindset. I I saw a select few that were you know angry about it all oh, this ruins the season whatever no that that's not where you should be at d- d- disappointed yeah I-, I think that's that that's definitely justified I mean I'm there I-, I definitely thought you know especially with the way that first half played out last night yeah there's a reason to be disappointed today um because you you felt like you had that um you know, and again, and again, I thought they laid it all out there on the court. But yeah, there were some mistakes that were made, and in the end, you, you end up falling in, you know, relatively. I'm not going to say heartbreaking fashion, but I, I think it was, you know, it was it was still pretty crushing. Um, you know, but when you look back on this season, I think you give it a couple of days to maybe a week when you step back and breathe and take a look back at the season. You will no, there's nobody that should not be able to admit that this was a more than successful season for this team. Because there were multiple multiple times. Look, you talk about February and we've talked about that a lot. And yeah, that's that 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 is really where the turnaround started, but there were so many other moments. I mean, remember on this podcast, we had a moment in the middle of the season where we brought up the quote from Huber Davis that says that that said that his goal right out of the gate when he did, and this was in his introductory press conference, which coincidentally was actually a year ago today, but he said, "I." My goal was to make and win the national championship in year one. And there was a point even before you got to that Pittsburgh game, after 
you lost to, I wouldn't say Tennessee. I feel like that was one where you were still, you were disappointed with that performance, but you were still kind of like, all right, this is only one. After that Kentucky game, that was when some of the some of the people started creeping up of, man, this team just got their doors blown off. Then when it happens again to Wake in Miami, after that, that was when we started having those conversations um, and those arguments about, well, this is, you know, this was the goal that he set out, and right now he's nowhere near achieving that goal. And to then turn around and look at where this team is now at, at, you know, a day after just falling short in the national championship game. You were that close to winning a title and achieving what he set the goal out to be, which most of us admitted to ourselves was not really the most realistic goal ever. It's just, I mean, it's amazing. And to, to change the mindset of this team from – being one that, I, I mean, look, I'm not going to say that this was a team that, they, it wasn't a team that didn't care, but it was a team that was lacking confidence. And for that team to turn around and become this type of team that could make this type of run in the NCAA tournament, none of us thought that was going to happen. You may have picked it, and I thought, I thought Kenny Smith did an amazing job of laying this out when we were standing outside the Smith Center and listening in the pregame, he said, look, with my brain, I picked this team to the Elite Eight. Mm -hmm. After that, my heart took over to pick them to win a national championship. I think that's where a lot of people were at. And for them to get to that point is just is amazing. And I think they deserve the utmost credit. I feel like Toriel fans should be unbelievably confident with where this team and program is at moving forward, especially after there were there were times. And look, I was one of the guys that was trying to sort of keep the faith a little bit. There were times, and I'm not even referencing you, it's more the people in the Charlotte area that we were hearing from, people that basically said, this program's never going to be the same again. And now you're sitting here, you know, a little bit disappointed after losing a national championship game in the first season under your new head coach. It's amazing. And I did want to, I, I do want to say this right now while we're recording here, the team is arriving back live um, while we're recording here. Uh, the crowd is, is just amazing. This is, I mean, there, there are more people out outside of the Smith center for this return home than there were outside of the Smith center last night to get in, to watch that team on, on that big screen. And I, I'm going to take a, a round guess and say there were probably about 16 to 17,000 people inside of the Smith center last night. So an amazing moment for this team deservedly. So it almost feels like 2016 where this team came back and this fan base, greeted them the way that they should have because they laid it all on the line. Yep, I, I do think over the last two months, they changed the narrative around themselves. They changed the narrative around this program. Um, and every Tar Heel should be proud of the effort that they gave the during this tournament run, the way they represented themselves, 
and and the way they represent this university and and look even in defeat every day is a great day to be a Tar Heel so this is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast before we let you go we do encourage you guys to get over to the website heeltoughblog.com um, we'll have you can go catch all the coverage from Carolina's defeat to Kansas in the national title game is now we'll be moving into the offseason on the basketball side of things but We'll be keeping you covered on on basketball as well. For football, the spring game is this weekend in Chapel Hill. Anthony will be getting you ready for that before they go back into their offseason mode after Saturday. So get all your latest football and basketball coverage at HeelToughBlog.com. As for the podcast, you know where to find us, every major podcasting platform. Um, You can just simply search the Four Corners podcast and we will pop up. You can like the pod. You can review the pod. But most importantly, we encourage you guys Hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any additions of the podcast as we take you through the offseason now for Carolina basketball. And uh, I'll speak for the on behalf of Anthony here as well. We do want to thank you guys um, for all the support you gave us during this basketball season. The pod is just now, since we, since we rebranded as the Four Corners podcast, is roughly a year old. Um, and with, with, within the last year, we have totaled over 27,000 downloads over the 118 episodes that we have put out for you guys as we took you through an off season and, and, and of course, through this basketball season. So none of our success would be possible without you guys. So we do want to send out a very big thank you for all the support and hope you continue to support the pod as we continue on heading into next year. Well, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I do want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com to find the best basketball podcast. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.